Before we start, I want you to know that what you're about to hear is difficult, actually painful to listen to. I had a hard time when I first heard it. Like many of the stories we'll be telling you in this series, it is audio of the police killing an innocent civilian. In this case, 43-year-old Mohammed Mohaimin. Some of you may want to skip ahead. I understand. Even share that feeling. Listening or watching video of the police killing anyone, especially yet another innocent black man, can be traumatizing. But we're making this podcast because we need to bear witness to these injustices. And we need to hold the police accountable. It was a pretty normal day. You know, I just expected that day to go as planned. But the day that that happened, a part of me kind of died. On January 4th, 2017, Arizona Smith had just finished her overnight shift at work and was heading to the library at her local community center in Phoenix, Arizona. That's when she saw Phoenix police officers drag Mohammed Mohaimin, his hands cuffed behind his back, to their police cruiser. Why are you doing this, man? I just get out the car. I see two officers carrying a man right off of his feet down towards the squad car, and they slam him against the squad car. I cannot believe this. They put, his hands were already behind his back, and they pulled his arms up and he screamed. It was heart-wrenching to hear it. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, get your phone out. You gotta record this, this is not right. They can't do that to him. But my body was just lame. All I could do was just hold my eyes open and watch, and I couldn't help because I felt like I was in danger if I go over there and try to say something. And I can hear him, he was pleading. All I could hear mostly was just the please. I'm Milo Black. And I'm Ben Cohen. And this is the first episode of our new podcast, Unaccountable. So why are we here? You know, Allo and I are doing anything that we can to end this outrage. I just can't believe it. Over and over and over again, we see police killing unarmed black people, and then we watch them get away with it. It's happening right in front of us. When there's no measure of accountability, it leads to a God complex where you can do anything that you want and no one will ever punish you for it. And then you become even more daring. And at this point, it's a cultural God complex within policing in the United States. I mean, for those of us in the business world, we know that you never get anything to go right unless you hold people accountable. And for cops, they're not held accountable And so they just keep on doing the same screwed up stuff over and over and over again. I I mean, I've been thinking of, you know, that old adage, uh, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's what's going on. That certainly applies here. It's it feels like no one has the power to confront the police 
No one has the power to overturn the methodologies that they use. And it seems as though we are at the mercy of the police. We definitely need to find a way to fix this. And what gets me about it is that these are the guys that the majority of the society, that would be white people like me, hire to protect and serve. And these guys that are the only element of society that we authorize to use lethal force are killing unarmed black people and we're letting them get away with it. Well, that brings us back to qualified immunity. You know, qualified immunity. Have you ever heard that phrase? Qualified immunity. I'll leave it there for a second. Qualified immunity can be hard to explain. It's not a law. Congress never passed any legislation and no American citizen has ever voted to enact qualified immunity. Instead, qualified immunity was created by the United States Supreme Court. Qualified immunity is one of the main reasons police officers are so rarely held responsible for violating anyone's rights in civil court. For violating the rights of someone like Muhammad Mahiman or Elijah McLean or Breonna Taylor. But also people like Chase Howes, Kari Illich, and many more will explore in this series. What Ben and I want to do with this podcast is explain qualified immunity to you through story, through the individual lives of those whose rights were violated by the police and were then denied justice. But the real goal of this podcast is for you to help us get legislation passed in Congress or in your city or state that will bring an end to qualified immunity. We're starting this podcast series with the story of Muhammad Mahayman, who you heard earlier. We know these stories will be difficult to listen to. They're painful, infuriating, and can trigger all kinds of difficult emotions. But Ben and I believe that there can be no justice or hope of ending qualified immunity unless these stories are told. How's it going? I work good. How you doing, sir? Going? This is my service, dog. I just want to use the restroom. On January 4th, 2017, Muhammad Mohaiman tried to use the restroom at the Maryvale Community Center in Phoenix, Arizona. It would cost him his life. To, I, I don't even know your name. What, what is your name, sir? Okay. Can I use the restroom, please? That's the most important thing I'm well, saying. Let's talk first, real quick. Muhammad, who suffered from schizophrenia and was living in a nearby park, had his service dog with him that day a chihuahua named Chiquita. Because of the dog, the manager of the community center refused to let Muhammad use the bathroom. In fact, he called 911, telling the dispatcher that Muhammad had assaulted him. Hold on, I'm going to interrupt here. Hang on. Did she assault you? Did he assault you? I don't want to have to book him again, but I will if I have to. For using the restroom? No, for assaulting him. Who said anybody? That's why I'm asking a question. You're ranting and raving, getting nowhere. I'm asking a question. Did he assault you, sir? No. He was trying to get in, and I didn't let him in. So we, we bumped into each other. Muhammad had violated no laws. In fact, Muhammad had the right to use the restroom with his service dog. He didn't need to have it on a leash. He didn't need to produce any papers. Can I use the restroom now, please? I, I see you let him use the restroom. You can hang on to your dog, yeah, go to the bathroom, I, yes. Eventually... Muhammad was allowed to use the bathroom. But while he was in the restroom, 
the officers ran his name and found he had a bench warrant for a misdemeanor offense. The possession of a marijuana pipe in Mesa, Arizona. The officers then decided they were going to arrest him and take him up to Mesa. But first, they had to separate Muhammad from his service dog. Muhammad, stop. You gotta stop. Put your hand behind your back. You got a warrant. A warrant? Hold on. Yeah. No. Let go. Yeah, let go of the dog. Yeah, let go. Oh, you got a warrant. Wait, 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 wait. Let, 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 you, go, let go of the dog. Let go of the dog. Guess what? You wait, wait. Put wait. the dog down. Right there. Don't come in this situation, please. You got to put the dog put down. Put your hand behind put your, your back. Hand on the watcher. But you just put it put down. We'll find somebody to watch her. Hold on, please. Put her down. Don't put the dog down. Call my sensei first. Call my sensei first. Please call my sensei first. Muhammad was clearly resisting arrest. He didn't put his dog down when the officers told him to. But... It's also important to note that Muhammad never got violent or tried to run away. He just wanted someone to take care of his dog. The four officers struggled to cuff Muhammad's hands behind his back. Then they dragged him to their police car. Why are you doing this, man? Why are you doing Let's this? Search him first. Why are you doing this? The officers slammed Muhammad against the hood of the patrol car. Then, one of them took hold of Muhammad's arms, still handcuffed behind his back, and ripped them over his head. I cannot believe this. Fucking relax, dumbass. I cannot believe this, man. Officer! The officers threw Muhammad to the ground. They piled on him. Then more officers arrived. At one point, as many as six Phoenix police officers were on top of Muhammad as he pleaded for his life. Please, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. After approximately eight minutes and 30 seconds, Muhammad's body went limp. He vomited and his heart stopped. Muhammad died on the sidewalk just outside the Maryville Community Center. His dog, Chiquita, running in circles, was off to his side. At PetSmart, my sister called me and told me what happened. She just started screaming that they killed him. That's Muhammad's sister, Musalina Mahayman. You know, your first instinct to think that is maybe they got the wrong person. Or, like, who would want to kill Muhammad? And then she said, the police killed him. How's it going? I work the yeah. plane, though, sir. How's it going? This is my service, dog. I just want to use the restroom. For me, it was he wanted to make sure that somebody was there to take care of the dog. That was his child. I'm gonna tell you, he didn't go anywhere without the dog. I think she kept him like relaxed, kept it from the anxiety or whatever, you know, he was going through emotionally or or his mental health. Put the dog down. Guess what? You put well, wait. the dog down right now. Don't come in this situation. Please. You gotta put the dog put down. Put your hand behind I don't your have back. Anyone to watch it. I'll be honest, I, I, it was outside of anything that I can understand, outside of my understanding. And I came home so lost. 
And I just remember I went out in the backyard and I just started screaming at the top of my lungs. This can't be real. And you know, God, why him? Of all people, why not me? I've had to sit through hearing that same cry for help because I can't look at it, but I hear it. I want them to be held accountable. And in a perfect world, I would love to see them criminally responsible. But we don't live in a perfect world. Maricopa County prosecutors declined to bring charges against any of the officers involved in Muhammad's death. They said Muhammad had resisted arrest and concluded that, quote, the officers did not commit any act that warrants criminal prosecution, end quote. This is not unusual. In fact, it's depressingly common. As we will discuss at length throughout this series, it's incredibly rare for prosecutors to charge police officers for any misconduct, much less for murder. There's a conflict of interest here. You're asking the prosecutors who work for the county to essentially go up against the police force that they rely on to help them prosecute their cases. That's David Chami, one of Mussolini's attorneys. The system is rigged. It's rigged to only catch the most blatant and egregious violations of law. Like, you have to catch a cop basically like the guy sitting on the neck of, of, of George Floyd. And had there not been a bystander there with a cell phone recording it, I, I, your outcome would have been much different. Unlike Mohammed Mohaimen, the world knows the name George Floyd. I think it's important to stop here for just a moment and talk about the criminal case against Derek Chauvin. Chauvin is the Minneapolis police officer found guilty on three separate counts for the murder of George Floyd. There are so many obvious and important similarities to what happened to George Floyd and Mohammed Mohaimen, but there was also one crucial difference. In George Floyd's case, there was cell phone footage taken by Darnella Frazier of Derek Chauvin placing his knee on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. But there is no cell phone footage of the nearly eight minutes and 30 seconds Phoenix police officers piled on Mohammed Mohaimen. That lack of cell phone footage not only meant there was less evidence to present in a courtroom, it also meant that there was no public outrage when Mohammed was killed by Phoenix police. There was no pressure to force prosecutors to criminally charge the officers responsible for Mohammed's death. All of which left Mussolini Mohaimen with only one option. If she wanted to hold the officers accountable, she would have to sue them in civil court for violating Mohammed's civil rights. The chances that they're going to be prosecuted for their wrongdoing is next to nothing. And then when they are brought into a civil court, when they're sued for a civil rights violation, the odds are very high that a judge will likely kick the case out on qualified immunity. Holding a cop accountable, it's next to impossible. Suing the police for violating someone's civil rights is often the only path to justice. But that little-known legal doctrine, called qualified immunity, makes even this incredibly difficult. 
We'll explain how qualified immunity came about in a later episode. But for now, all you need to know is that qualified immunity says that police can only be held accountable for violating your constitutional rights if they are either plainly incompetent or if they knowingly violate clearly established law. What this means is that Mussolini's lawyers had to find a similar case to Muhammad's, a case where officers handcuffed a man who was arrestable, a case where officers then placed their weight on somebody's body and head until they died of positional asphyxia, and a case where the officers were successfully sued. Without that exact precedent, the case against the officers responsible for Muhammad's death has to be dismissed because of qualified immunity. I'm not talking about similar. I'm not talking about resemble. I'm talking mirror. It has to mirror our case. And only then are we more likely to overcome a challenge based on qualified immunity. That's Haytham Faraj, who is also one of Mussolini's lawyers. Haytham found a case eerily similar to Muhammad's. It was a case where officers in Anaheim, California, arrested a man named Brian Drummond, who was having a mental health episode. Like with Muhammad, the officers handcuffed Drummond's arms behind his back and took him to the ground. Then the officers put their knees on Drummond's back and neck, even as he repeatedly told them he could not breathe. After 20 minutes, he went limp and lost consciousness. And even though he was revived by paramedics seven minutes later, Brian Drummond suffered permanent brain damage and was put in a vegetative state. Armed with this case, Mussolini's lawyers thought they had the precedent they needed to overcome a qualified immunity challenge. But sometimes, even that is not enough. Early on, we recognized that although Mohammed Mohammed's hands began at the back of his body, were then forced to the front of his body by police officers, that the defense would try to say that those set of facts with the cuffing would be sufficiently dissimilar that the police officers in the Mohaiman case should be dismissed based on qualified immunity. And that is exactly what they said. Essentially, the, the city of Phoenix is arguing that because Mr. Mohaiman's hands were not behind him, they were in front of him, and that that's the difference between the prior case and our case, essentially the only difference, is his hands were not behind, they were cuffed in front. And because of that, this case should be dismissed. Think about that for a minute. Brian Drummond's hands were handcuffed behind his back. Mohammed Mohammed's hands were handcuffed in front of him. And only because an officer ripped Mohammed's arms over his head. But that minute difference between being handcuffed in front or in back was enough for the officers to argue that the case against them should be dismissed because of qualified immunity. And as you'll hear throughout this series, this twisted logic isn't unique to Mohammed Mohaiman. It's happening over and over again, all throughout the United States. Today, Mussolini's case is on hold. A district court judge will decide in the coming weeks whether or not to grant the officers responsible for Mohammed's death qualified immunity. But the lawyers for the officers have signaled that they will appeal if the judge rules against them. This means that at best, it will be years before the case goes to trial, and just as likely that it will be dismissed. So what way can I bring this to the public eye? What way but to keep his name alive, to keep talking about it, to hold them accountable? 
for what they've done. Mussolini. Qualified immunity is, is killing him a second time because it's allowing the individuals that perpetrated this to get away with it and continue to get away with it. We'll be right back. Before the break, we told you the story of Muhammad Muhammad, an innocent black man killed by the police. But Muhammad's story is not uncommon, and that's what makes me and Ben so angry. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, everybody knows that ignorance of the law is no excuse, but for police, who are also known as law enforcement officers, they are not expected to know the law. I mean... That's crazy. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, my mom worked in a courthouse for many, many years as a judicial assistant, as a courtroom clerk, and I used to hear that phrase all the time. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Every regular citizen has to sit behind that rule. Just because you didn't know it was against the law doesn't mean that you can break it and doesn't mean that you're unaccountable for it. However, this doctrine of qualified immunity and the immunity statutes in, in every state allow police officers to be immune from their accountability for not knowing whether or not something was legal. And it's, it's egregious. Right. And it, and it gets absurd. I mean, it's stuff like they steal money. Oh, I didn't know that was illegal. So they get off. They kill someone. Oh, I didn't know that was illegal. They get off. It, they brutalize people. I mean, this is absurd. This is crazy. And we are allowing it to go on. We know about it. We can't say, well, I didn't know about it. And yet, uh, it's still happening. I, you know, I'm here. I'm doing the, this podcast with you, Allo, because I can't stand it. I can't take it anymore. And... I'm doing everything I can. Same with me. I can't take it anymore either. I think it is high time that we all come together, recognize what our collective power is, and make a dramatic change to end this, to end this killing. Because, of course, it disproportionately affects people of color and black and brown communities. However, this is affecting everyone. There are people of all walks of life that are being violated by the police and their civil rights are not being honored. And, you know, you think, uh, well, you see these things on TV, you see, the, you see the cell phone videos. That's just a small percentage. It's a minuscule percentage of all the abuse that goes on. Most of them are not on cell phones. They're not on video. There's no evidence of it. And, you know, the norm, I hate to say it, is that bad cops falsify records. They falsify their reports. I mean, people that they abuse, according to their report, that guy assaulted the cop. And I don't know, we got to stop it. We can't allow it to go on. I mean, I think black people are bearing the brunt of it, but it's white people who have the power in the society it is a white problem. Absolutely. Communities of color for decades have been brutalized by police abuse. And it is fairly recently that we've been able to document these abuses with our 
cell phones and video cameras that are, are ever present. It is baffling that people are questioning whether or not these abuses are real. They are very real. They have been happening for decades. And it's important to take them seriously because if you don't protect the, you know, the least protected class within your society, it's only a matter of time before every part of society is under siege. You know, it is a perverse irony that the Supreme Court came up with qualified immunity when they were interpreting a law that was passed after the Civil War. And that law was passed because members of the police were also members of the Ku Klux Klan. And they were brutalizing black people. This was back in 1871. And so Congress passed this law that said that, well, anyone whose rights are violated, whose civil rights or constitutional rights are violated, can sue the police. And then in the 1960s, during the civil rights movement, the Supreme Court essentially eviscerated that law and came up with what we now call qualified immunity. But, you know, you look at the reports and you find that police departments are infiltrated by white supremacists. So it's the same cycle that's repeating itself and Congress needs to again pass a law. Right now, there's a piece of legislation, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which is in Congress. We need to get Congress to pass it, and people are balking on this idea of qualified immunity. So we need Congress to hear your voice. Absolutely. It's important that we all put our best foot forward to encourage our lawmakers, the representatives who go to D.C. for us and and write this legislation and are pushing, it's important for them to hear our voices so that they know they're doing the right thing. And it's, it's, it's one thing for all of us to be able to see this kind of carnage on our social media and feel bad about it. But once you feel bad, you should be angry. And when you feel angry, you need to get up, stand up, and fight for a change. And also, hopefully, what it does is it deters police officers from engaging in this God complex mentality that they cannot be held accountable for their actions. Hopefully it, it transforms the culture within policing that they have to protect and serve, not abuse and terrorize. Yeah, it's accountability on the back end, which drives behavior change on the front end. And believe it or not, Congress people are actually responsive when the, when they get calls from their constituents, and that's what you can do. It may it's really easy. You just call the United States Capitol switchboard. They're at your service, two zero two 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 four three one two one. Tell them where you live. Tell them you want to talk to your Senate office, and they'll put you through just like that. And you tell them. You want them to get rid of qualified immunity because you can't stand it that the cops that we're hiring to protect and serve are killing and brutalizing instead. 
Absolutely. And they definitely respond to the phone calls. They definitely respond to the emails. But social media pressure is just as important. Um, when we can create a groundswell of social media pressure, it's hard to hide. And so be sure to hashtag unaccountable on social media when you're reaching out to your lawmakers and, and speaking about ending qualified immunity. And if you want to join the campaign, all you need to do is go to holdcopsaccountable.org. That is holdcopsaccountable.org. And just fill in your email address and we'll let you know when your voice is needed the most and who to contact. Next time on Unaccountable, Ben and I sit down with former NFL star and social activist Anquan Bolden, who's part of the campaign to end qualified immunity. And this podcast will continue until we've won the fight, until we've abolished qualified immunity. See you next time. This is a Crowd Network podcast presented by me, Aloe Black, and my co-host, Ben Cohen. It was produced by Luis Gwilliam and Michael Epstein and edited by Mickey Curling.